The second wave of COVID-19 has been devastating. The system's apathy and gross mismanagement has left us struggling for breath. But thankfully, all is not lost yet. We've seen innumerable faceless, nameless heroes who've come forward to help those desperately scrambling for basics and who've restored our faith in humanity yet again. Doctors, nurses, journalists, mental health practitioners, volunteers, drivers, delivery staff to our local Kirana Wala. I'm sure I'm forgetting many others. We owe a great deal to them because without their selfless services, we wouldn't have made it thus far. Different Strokes is proud to have had this opportunity to speak to a few of these COVID heroes who have been working relentlessly by putting themselves and their families at a serious risk of infection. We couldn't thank them enough. But I hope through this series we're able to tell them how grateful we are to each one of them. My name is Deeksha Sethi and you're listening to Different Strokes. In this episode I talked to Nupur Paiva, who's a child psychologist and an author of the book Love and Rage: The Inner World of Children. And we go through some hard-hitting realities that are staring us in the face as far as our children are concerned. The future of their mental and social well-being, the trauma of losing a parent to COVID or the safety net that has been pierced by the growing abuse and violence because of the lockdown. Um let me start by asking you um you know it's obviously it's going to be a year and a half almost since the schools have shut normalcy has taken a hit for both parents and children and it's equally distressing for both parties you know kids are at home all the time and there is no sense of space for anybody there's no me time and it's obviously there is no natural outlet for children as well um yeah. what kind of a future mental health can we predict from this ongoing crisis especially among children and adolescents okay <laughs> um well, what i'm going to describe is not going to be pretty of course that's not okay. what we're here I'm, for yeah so see in terms of labels hmm. the labels sound similar and dull and um, they don't do justice to the internal experience of anybody Hmm. because the labels are reductionistic so what i'm going to say is that okay in terms of future mental health crisis we are looking at increased rates of depression hmm. and anxiety right. and ag- and aggression hmm. and that aggression is going to be then labeled as oppositional disorder or conduct disorder or, or oppositional defiance disorder or hmm. adhd or so there's going to be a A, a huge amount a plethora of these labels being used hmm. which at the end of the day are frankly unhelpful right because they are the symptoms that's what's visible right um the complexity of the pain the grief the loss underneath it the anger the rage underneath it is not just there isn't enough justice done with by these labels right. to the internal experience of young people hmm uh what it's like for our children and uh adolescents to be shut inside month after month mm. and it's going to become year after year mm. with no outlet for what is a natural um like you've said mm. uh, uh, a natural process of growing up mm. it's like you it's a pressure cooker you know mm. that's the simplest analogy where steam is building inside because mm. um, the personality is being formed mm. 
and um, when there is no outlet for it whether it's creative or productive or social emotional mm. um through friendships through learning things through yeah. competition with others your you know with peer groups those are the natural outlets and when yeah. those are blocked you're going to have uh, an explosion now in some cases those are internal explosions yeah. in some cases they come outwards towards family members and society yeah. so It, that that's what we've got to look forward to really wow i don't want to look forward to that at all to be honest no, uh, it's it's uh, because i have a young child and i'm sure a lot of other parents who are listening to us right now it's it's not going to give them any kind of solace whatsoever and we're all worried obviously so um how do we begin to even tackle such a thing uh, what what can we do in the best possible way to provide that natural environment within unfortunately the confines of our homes well i, I think that um, you know it makes me think of something a friend of mine said she says like each of us is running our own country <laughs> yeah because we really on the inside of our homes on the inside of our families are the experts on what's going on inside yeah so i would actually want to say to parents that you know try to come to your child with the understanding that their whole life is ruined mm. okay unfortunately what i'm hearing a lot of is uh, be grateful be grateful that you are alive be grateful that you're healthy be grateful that you have a home be grateful that you have food to eat be grateful that you are safe etc and mm. those are true yes yeah but that's not you can't jump to gratitude without acknowledging loss right and um it does a lot of damage not just to the child's sort of internal conflict about uh, and then they start to feel guilty about the fact that they they have lost so much Uh, but aren't allowed to acknowledge that they have lost so much because we have to pole vault over loss and pain and anger and jump straight to gratitude right so what i would say is please don't do that please mm. don't do that to your children um to ask them because it's easier on us to have a quiet grateful child rather mm. than an enraged child right because the anger is going to come out at us obviously where else is it going to go of course as the parent we are the one who has to bear uh this child's rage that there is no school they've lost their friendships there's no way to connect to people and everything has become uh, sort of virtual and one dimensional right look we're already looking at a generation of social wrecks you know honestly in the larger scheme of things that's the least of my concerns right because when we are able to mix with each other we'll find a way to mix with each other right uh the the wreckage is going to take place within families mm. because the fault lines of uh, how we are looked after how we interact with each other within the family home mm. is what's going to become painfully clear mm. right. so when when a when a parent says to their child uh, yes yes i know that all these terrible things have happened and you don't have this and you don't have that but let's focus on the positive let's uh, you know let's be grateful mm. what the child hears is actually nobody is interested in me actually you just want to feel better mm. and everybody yes mm. yeah but what we know as mental health professionals is that we don't actually get to feel better by denying what is painful right 
and that is the basic bread and butter everyday work with children and adolescents as a mental health team is acknowledge reality yeah. acknowledge reality acknowledge mm. reality even if it is awful and painful mm. acknowledging reality is the basis for mental health mm. denying reality is the basis for mental ill health right Right. So I hope that answers your question about what can we do is to really acknowledge that your children are angry they are in pain they are upset they are bored yeah they are lacking stimulation yeah of course so let's try and simplify this for parents who who are listening to us and even caregivers for that matter uh, yes. what are uh, the first step is of course acceptance like we we've spoken about what is the next step how do we then convert this into something more positive and engaging like i i asked before how do we create that kind of setup at home and try and engage the child in a more positive manner um and channel those energies rather than let it build into rage see the the long and short of it is you have to spend more time with your child hmm now that may or may not be possible yeah. because we've got uh we may work we may have household responsibilities yeah uh, we may have other people to take care of um and let's face it we a lot of us we sent our children to school because we would get 6 hours of peace <laughs> right yeah. right and uh, that's gone now yeah that's gone right and equally the child had 6 hours of peace away from mummy or papa or dadi yeah. or nani or masi or somebody twin their brains <laughs> of course all the helicopter parenting is obviously bad that's right so they'd go to school and be like okay now, <laughs> and now you know when i come back 6 hours later i can remember my affection for you <laughs> right yeah so yes we need breaks from each other yeah and so what uh, you know and i an ideal i'm not even going to talk about ideals a good enough situation is going to look like time separately and time together hmm and that time together doesn't have to be large quantities like 3 hours or 2 hours it could hmm. literally be 20 minutes hmm but as long as those 20 minutes are engaged 20 right. minutes right with eye contact no interruptions no phones right to distract you um where you are really responding to the child now it could be a young child where you're sitting on the floor and playing with toys hmm. or it could be an older child where you are having a chat Hmm. And that's separate from engaging them in household tasks like you know come and help me wash the dishes or uh, let's kapde dho ke usko bahar taangne hai kind of thing. Okay. Okay. So, so what I'm saying is fun and light. That's right. Yeah. Um what hmm. we found ourselves uh, recommending all of last year hmm. which was not as grim as this year hmm. uh was actually pillow fights. Right. but tell me something nopur i don't want to come back to the situations at home you know obviously um the situation is not pretty parents are burnt out there's really no mental capacity to even think of things like these you know but obviously like we at the beginning we said that you know children are obviously at the receiving end of all of this that's happening yeah and they're somewhere lost so um obviously family setups can uh, can you know maybe rescue a situation or hamper it depends on how the families are also structured nuclear families maybe there's more pressure because there are fewer hands helping hands larger families might uh, you know there might be somebody else who can come to the rescue and fill in but um how, how do we really um advise those parents to you know probably set 
some time aside try and set some time aside for the children it's it's difficult yeah i am literally uh, yeah but i'm literally saying 20 minutes right even if you are playing cricket in the balcony right yeah it's um, but the key with children is consistency hmm and reliability so it's if you can do 15 minutes but you can do 15 minutes every day hmm that is actually good enough hmm okay okay that's a good start um i i do want to talk about the red flags now uh, especially in you know any deviations in the behavior how does one pick that up uh, being a parent or a caregiver at home what are the obvious signs there are as many signs as there are children honestly because there's no uh, end to the creativity in which things come up hmm um the most normal reaction these days hmm. oh, widespread is uh, children are giving more voice to their fears of death okay and they're actually being able to say out loud that you know i'm afraid you're going to die hmm hmm that's that's going to let you know that there's something going on with them hmm um then children who are just grumpy a lot of the time hmm children who are um, picking fights with their siblings or with others or just getting into arguments hmm i mean i'm saying when this is uncharacteristic of them right um and or children who are becoming very very quiet going into right. their rooms spending hours on a screen not interacting with the human beings that are there in reality right um becoming extremely like immobile like you find a couch and sit on it and you just keep sitting on it 6 hours later the child is still on that couch right uh yeah these are subtle things to pick up because you know a child on a couch for 6 hours isn't really bothering anybody and it's quite easy to miss yeah. like the acting out child who's picking arguments of having a fight or throwing a tantrum or just whining mm. endlessly mm. is more easily uh, heard right Mm, and that's pretty much the plan like hear me mm. so with children the thing is that yes it the your your question is really great because their actions are the communication mm. and usually what we they end up hearing is don't do that right right which is basically again i'm not interested in figuring out what's going on behind this communication what does your communication mean basically means please just don't do this just shut it mm It's, so, it's very interesting what you're pointing actually because a lot of times we 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 hear a lot of parents complain I'm one of them probably to say that you know there's too much screen time this watching too much television like you said you know just plong themselves on a couch or a TV in you know in front of the television and they're just hardly moving and they're okay doing that and they're not bothering anybody but obviously deep inside we know it's not healthy for them because this it's just excessive screen time but but it's a double edged sword i i mean i i would rather have uh, my son watch extra tv than you know just him wandering around whining in, you know in the in the house and distressed so how does that how do we create that balance or, or find a middle ground there see we have to uh, acknowledge what the screen does for all of us not just for children right mm. it's a tranquilizer mm. basically it lulls you off uh, away from your distress yeah and um, you zone out mm now when you zone when you when that tv thing is cut off and you zone back into yourself that's when all the uh, whining and the chain chain starts and 
I think many parents would be aware that when you get your child off a screen, they're actually yeah. in a terrible mood. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that that that's a good place to start wondering, oh, maybe this was too much TV time. Mm. Because it's not relaxing. Mm. It's zoning them out, but you know, we all have to zone back in at some point. Right. Yeah, when we do zone back in or when the child does zone back in, that's when mm. the whining starts again. Mm. Mm. So that's actually our clue that uh, this uh, television time though is very convenient for both the child and for the family because you get mm. some peace. Yeah. yeah. Um that the, it might be coming at a cost that we don't like. Mm. That's that's actually very interesting observation because I I was going to ask you the same thing that's very convenient for parents as well that you know acha TV dekh thodi der meri jaan mat kha you know uh, because yeah, they absolutely. are so frustrated they're really burnt out and they they like just be in your room watch tv and just let me be for some time you know a lot of parents yes. end up resorting to that and obviously yeah, they're, and they are carrying that kind of guilt as well but what do what do we do yeah and and i think that it's uh, fruitless to try and get into uh, blame hmm. and or like it should not because you know the word should is really unhelpful right uh, the fact of the matter is that adults are human the children hmm. are human yeah so uh, and parents do need a break and if the screen helps to have that break that's fabulous mm. but the thing is that it needs an end point right and it needs an end point that is predecided right so it's that vagueness around thodi der dekh le that that is downhill from there <laughs> because that yeah thodi der <laughs> is not <laughs> a boundary <laughs> right <laughs> oh god It's such a mirror, you know. It's <laughs> I can't help but laugh. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, because like, you know what we all do that. <laughs> what we don't realize is that actually children have no idea about time. Okay, uh, your uh, my nine-year-old, your six-year-old, they have no, no idea about time. Time right. is a is such an abstraction. What is five minutes? What is thirty minutes? What is one hour? There's no concept of that. Right. So it has to be a a, a very uh, concrete boundary, like an alarm goes off, or you put the television mm. on sleep, and it actually just shuts after sixty minutes. Right. You know, television. I mean, screens are smart these days. They can do this for you. <laughs> you put a timer on it. Right. Uh, you know, it's called whatever screen time and everything, and then you know it just like self destructs after a while. <laughs> okay. I wish it could do that. <laughs> <laughs> all I end up saying in the house is, "I'm going to throw this TV out of the window if you don't shut this." No, no. Yeah, it has a sleep mode. Honestly, Diksha, right. I'm telling you, your television has sleep mode, and you switch that on, and after 60 minutes, it will just go off. Right. I'm going to do that today. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> That's very helpful. So, what, what, you know, your your laughter is making reminding me that uh, what we forget as parents is that children need boundaries. They need boundaries. Right. right. Okay. they're not going to have fun with them hmm. Hmm. but they need them understood and, and when we sure enough to understand on their own and set their own boundaries well, that's not happening till they're about 20 so right. good luck with that <laughs> right it's just that you know the their the boundary is going to keep changing at 16 it's going to be about what mm. time to come home mm. at 18 it's going to be about uh, you want to buy that you please spend your own money on it mm. at 20 it's going to be um you know what are you doing with your life hmm hmm right but these are all boundaries 
these are all things that the child is going to come up against crash into uh disagree with argue with but the that doesn't mean it's not needed right right no you're absolutely and in right. fact one of the ways in which we really uh, abandon our kids is by mm. not being consistent with the boundaries mm i'm so yeah. glad you're saying all of this because this is like an eye opener for for me and i'm sure a lot of other parents who are just you know really don't have the mental capacity right now to deal with all of this that's going on but unfortunately um we need to we 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 do no, have boundaries to. make children feel safe right absolutely because it provides a structure right. uh, a reliability um and a consistency and those are the main sort of coordinate of safety for a child the yeah. same thing is going to happen every day at the same time right yes it's very boring but guess what <laughs> it makes my life look consistent yeah yeah and especially right now when the mm. 7 o'clock school bus the 12 o'clock lunch bell the 2 o'clock return home from school thing has mm. shattered right there has to be some things that you know work like clockwork whether right. it's bedtime or whether it's uh meal time or whether mm-hmm. it's look at this time we're going to all come together and have tea or do yoga or but th- th- there is some structure to the day there is some structure to the time and it is enforced by somebody right right i think that enforcement is also important and the way it is done is also very important sometimes it's it's not done in a positive manner hence it's not received well So what is the best way to enforce that kind of structure? Oh, Diksha, that's a very tough one because that's an intergenerational problem. I mean, right. we all suffer from it. We all grew yeah. up in a system that told us what we should do and have to do mm. um and stuffed it down our throats and demands mm. compliance. Yeah. Right. Um so inevitably from the government downwards, we are uh, and our education system, we are brought up like that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you don't comply you could be in jail if you don't mm. comply you could be standing outside your classroom mm. if you don't comply you could get uh, you know punishment of some other kind mm. so compliance is really upheld in our society as a very like uh, wonderful thing mm. um and <laughs> no matter what i say here is not going to change that right but what's the i can only we can we can tell our parents audiences here what is the simplest way and the most positive way to enforce that structure i know um, it's difficult but let's try <laughs> well it it's the longer way around which is negotiation hmm right which is explaining to them look th- these are the reasons hmm why this is necessary hmm and uh, try it for a while like you know let, let's do two weeks of this hmm and then we can keep talking about it right and yes you may not like some things and we're it's open to discussion hmm uh, i'm and basically to kind of look at it as it's a two way thing right right you're providing something but actually it's of no use to anybody unless there's a recipient at the other end right and and this is a relationship to maintain right yeah so i think what i'm also hearing is it's very important to respect what the child is uh, voicing out because a lot of times parents are just like you said shoving things down their throat to say ye maine bola hai to ye karna hai you know it's it, it i, I don't right. think that that works uh, 
very well uh, for the child because then he's just forced to do it and he's not in a he- happy space or a healthy space that way so if uh, a child and the parent can talk like two mature individuals and respect each other's feelings i think that that's probably the way forward yes and uh, the child will learn to respect their parents feelings if they feel that their feelings are being respected right yeah of course it's a given so, thing yes and the thing is that uh, unfortunately for us mm. parents mm. we have to lead the way by example <laughs> of course yeah we see because children follow what we do not what we say right so if we say to them that uh, i'm listening to you hmm and you are listening then you're going to get a lot more of that hmm but if you say to them uh listen to speak to me with respect and uh, then continue on a lecture after that hmm and say yes yes i am listening to you but there's no listening taking right. place right uh, they can see through that yeah you have to walk the talk of course i mean you there's no yes uh, yeah because otherwise we have no credibility yeah of course right course. and when a parent loses credibility that is pretty much the worst thing that can happen hmm hmm nupur i want to go back to the point of safe spaces that you mentioned and i i do have a very difficult question to ask you um there's obviously a very ugly side to this lockdown as well which is abuse yeah um and violence uh, among children right um, that's happening um mm. um are you seeing a surge in these cases um i think we know world over that there is a surge in these cases right mainly it comes from the data that's coming from helplines mm um which are anonymous and um but there is a way of stacking up the numbers the stats so mm. there is no doubt that a family by itself a family unit by itself does not pre is not a precondition for safety hmm yeah there are all kinds of and a gathering of human beings living under one roof does not equal to family hmm does not equal to safety hmm so <clears throat> those th- those things are showing up yes there's no doubt about it hmm whether we're seeing it coming into the clinic uh not so much because actually you know because uh, mental health provision is so thin on the ground hmm um and especially when it is privatized like my team hmm you actually require family support to be able to come to such a service right right so yeah the this kind of uh, reality is going to be seen more by uh, helplines Hmm. where uh, people can call in anon- anonymously and uh, and ask for help right and yeah. i don't even know where to um, you know begin by asking you how how does one help uh, these children because they're obviously in a very bad place yeah this is a very difficult one adiksha because the thing mm-hmm. is not the first thing of course is the physical safety yeah which in itself in current situations cannot be guaranteed mm-hmm. Uh, as it is um india doesn't really have a social safety net whereby mm. children who are in a dangerous situation at home can be removed from the home mm. we, we don't actually end up yeah we have posco but that does mm. has a very long winded way of going about it yeah. um uh, we don't actually have something like social services or foster homes or, or such, such a system mm. that's embedded 
that can swoop in and help a child secondly hmm uh, so, so it tends to be the network themselves right the family network okay it's um like you said it's a difficult so, one and probably requires a separate discussion on its own uh, um yeah. but sh- sh- sorry you were going on so please please continue no i was just saying that uh, it's the family network and yeah. um, that comes in to help the child right. we're looking at it just from the child's perspective but and that sort of varies right right the thing is that mostly these are kept very quiet mm-hmm. domestic violence yeah. is kept very quiet nobody outside gets to hear about it it's both a matter of shame actually it's a matter of shame but yeah. it's uh, redesigned as uh, izzat right yeah um and actually the effects of it are only known many years later right and i think the best bet in this in this situation is probably you know to find somebody within the family or the extended family who you can talk to and i'm not even sure if children are mature enough to think like that on their own and reach out to somebody within the family or the extended family or friend circle to say that you know i am in trouble and i need help you know being able to do that in itself is mm-hmm. a huge marker of resilience and strength yeah mostly what happens is that fear takes over hmm. and, and what we do know about high levels of fear is that actually the the person shuts down yeah yeah so when anxiety goes very high when cortisol levels in the brain go very high in we don't actually have the option of reacting because we are so scared that we go into like a paralysis hmm hmm and then uh, because being small and quiet is actually safer than poking your head out and saying something Hmm. Hmm. Nupur, we're we're seeing another grim reality that's that's hitting us because of this pandemic. A lot of young parents are succumbing to this disease, right? Yeah. And and children are obviously uh, they don't they are being left behind. They are often they don't know what is happening. They can't even fathom the gravity of the situation and the mm-hmm. the loss. Um, it's again. I mean, where does one begin to? reach out to children like that or help you know render some kind of help or support um and this is this is a question particularly for the ones who are left behind the caregivers uh, who are going to take those children in and you know look after them the i am the reason i'm stumbling is because mm. i'm thinking not so much about the immediate as i am of the long term mm. okay because losing a parent is not something that you address once Yeah. It's a pain you carry with you, a loss you carry with you and it reemerges at key points in your life when you are mm. in life transition yourself. Yeah. So in a way there is an opportunity to help these children many times over in their lives. Mm. Right because it will emerge. Yes. Um we have this kind of idea that oh it's happened right now and so we must address something right now but that mm. may not actually be the right time for the child. Yeah. um depending on how old this child is like mm. yesterday i spoke to a family where the child has lost her father nobody's told her yet hmm this yeah. child is 7 yeah how do you tell a child like that i mean just 7 years old it's yeah but how do you not tell a child like that hmm how do you not tell a child that their parent is never going to come back hmm. how do you not tell them that what do you leave them with when you don't tell them Now again from an emotional well-being and a mental health perspective hmm. this is smack in the middle of denying reality right 
Now that scares us. Yeah. As as people who see the aftermath of what denying reality does, mm. it scares us because now this child actually you're you're not giving this child an opportunity to come to terms with what's going on. Because so, you are not letting them know what's going on. So are you suggesting that it's it's actually better to tell them what is going on? Yes. Right. It is it, it is better to tell them regardless of how old they are. Regardless of how old they are. Every child mm. even as young as 4 Hmm. they know about death hmm. it comes up in their stories it comes up in their games it comes up in their imaginary games hmm. yes there's a lot of uh, you see young children are very attuned to their parents hmm. and if there is a parent who's left behind hmm. or caregiver who is with them their main concern is going to be watching this caregiver's face and picking up from them okay what can they handle what can they not handle hmm and they will uh, adjust their uh, reactions accordingly hmm so for example for this child uh, yesterday whose family i spoke to the child is 7 years old uh, she's hmm. lost her father she hasn't been told this in these words but if actually she's also lost her mother because her mother is in no state to interact with her right so actually this child has lost both parents hmm and the family is saying but she looks okay she's just busy playing hmm yeah that's, Now, that's a very common you're, reaction you're, you're falling for it hmm you're falling for the facade this child is putting up which is basically designed because she can see that her mother can't handle it hmm for that 7 year old her mother is the most important person hmm yeah and so she will do everything to make sure her mother is okay including hide her own feelings right now the trouble is from a long term perspective this becomes a habit mm-hmm. because it was done under such a trauma mm. it's it's something that we cling on to as a way of life as a way of functioning mm. and then children and then that take on that that role of being the protector being the protector being somebody who cannot acknowledge their own feelings mm. um this loss goes unaddressed Mm. uh externally or outwardly but inwardly it keeps eating at them mm. so what what if you if you really want to let parents know what to do right now mm. is to give your children permission to cry right for which they have to know the truth yeah yeah it's it's important to externalize than let it just yeah. pent up inside Yeah that's it's, right it's going to yeah. blast one day and it's going to have a really bad impact yeah it could implode or explode it could mm. go either way mm. and um uh f- for for the short term peace mm. again right it's like please don't show me your tears because i'm distressed by your grief right right and as 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 adults we have to we have to really take the lead here mm. that uh, we'll put aside our own we adults will put aside our grief in order to attend to the children rather than the other way around mm. Mm. because what's happening is and going to happen is that the children are going to be feeling responsible for uh, the, the adults feelings mm. as is you know it's like that all the time it's just yeah. now going to be really in our face right right uh thank you so much it's uh it's such an eye opener that this conversation and i think and i hope a lot of parents and caregivers out there who are listening to this are able to understand what a child's world 
looks like and it's it's really important to you know um have a conversation with them heart to heart and treat them like an individual and respect their feelings as well uh and not necessarily shut them down all the time because that's not the way to go about it thank you nupur this was really really helpful thanks very thank much thank you very much diksha thank you